0: Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. Morning, Compassion Church. Y'all doing all right? All right. Man, I might be in the right place. I'm used to being in a talk back church. Sounds like y'all like to talk back. Y'all ready? Okay. Just want to make sure all the right teams won yesterday. So you ought to be, well, I guess unless you're TCU fans and then then you're in trouble. But maybe it's still the right team one. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, But uh, I'm delighted to be here, and we're excited. Uh, Shout out to our pastors, John and Lori Leggett. We're excited for them and what God's doing in their ministry, right? And so we bless them. Thankful for pastors David and Misty and them leading us here. And God's doing some good things, right? Okay, just want to make sure. Well, it's Labor Day. Are you all ready to just kick back? and No, come on, let's, let's do some work here, all right? In 2008, researchers, uh, they conducted this, uh, this uh, report. They were doing this survey, and they recruited English-speaking parents from the United States. They, they recruited some parents from uh, Beijing that talk, uh, speak Mandarin they went to Hong Kong and talked to some parents that speak Cantonese. And what they did is they asked these parents to write down in the very early days of their child's life the, the words that they learned first. And I'm talking really early, but I, I, first ten words the ones that they continue to repeat. And so over the course of the months that that took place, these parents all reported back to these researchers, and the researchers took the, the 20 most frequent words that from across all three languages, and they wrote them down and said, these are the ones that are most used by children when they're first learning to speak. And here were, here were some of the uh, words that made the top 20 list. We're going to debate the order here in a minute. No, we're not. Uh, mommy... And Daddy, Uh, yeah. So y'all can fight over who said what first. These were these are the six words that made all all three languages in the top twenty. Mommy, Daddy, Hello, Bye, Uh oh. (laughs) Have you heard that one? And Woof woof. So then they looked back at the individual languages, and what they discovered was that there were some words spoken in English. Uh, frequently that were not spoken by the children that speak Cantonese or Mandarin and those are the words I want to tell you because uh, they they said that uh, these only appeared in the English language from these children these words bottle banana I don't know how that one made it but banana kitty and no (laughs) okay not in Mandarin that one didn't make the list not in Cantonese that one didn't make the list the, the only language that may, that the word no made the list of the top 20 word, ten words that they used was in, was Engl- in English is no. And so I, I think it's interesting to me at least that American children use the word no. It seems like from our earliest days we are bombarded with that word. Uh, I, listen, I don't have a problem with the word no. I mean, we use it a lot as young children, especially towards um, our classmates who are about to take our our peanut butter sandwich that we brought to lunch. No, Uh, we we use it with our siblings who are about to steal our toys. No, we use it with our parents. Listen, I don't have a problem with the word no, except for this fact. I think what's happened is that word no has now begun to seep over into our response to God. See, I, I can't prove it. Uh, but but I think what's happened is that our no has increased, and it's become increasingly difficult for the people of God to respond with the word yes first to God. It's like I I don't know what's happened. It's just like the people that I'm around all the time. They love Jesus, but it seems like on a regular basis, all they ever want to say. Is no when you start talking about the things of God their first initial response seems to be no you talk about sacrifice no you talk about let's go attend no let's worship no let's pray no let's give no let's fast no no yeah no 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 let's forgive no turn the other cheek no it seems like the word no has become so normal and repeated that now we've forgotten how to say yes to the Lord. Uh, I remind you that that, was a, that that occurred in the study of American children. That stands in stark contrast to how the young people were raised in scripture and how a young man that we're going to talk about was trained to say yes. So I want to refer you back to some scripture this morning to show you what I'm talking about. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're just going to, uh, we're going to read some highlights until we can get to chapter 3. In, In 1 Samuel chapter 1, you may be familiar with this story, but let's listen to it like it's the first time again. In 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 20, it says this, so in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and she gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. In chapter 2, beginning down in verse 11b, right at the end of the verse, it says, But the Lord ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest, and Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. Verse 17, This sin of the young man was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Then in chapter 3, here's where we get to the crux of the story uh, in verse 1. The boy Samuel, listen to that phrase again. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the the, the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here am I. But this is what he did. He ran to Eli and said, Here am I. That's how he answered. when God says, says, uh, Samuel, Samuel. He he runs to Eli. But Eli Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay, lay down again. And the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up. And went to Eli and said here am I you called me now my son Eli said I did not call go back and lie down now Samuel did not yet know the Lord the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him and a third time the Lord called Samuel and he got up and he went to Eli and he said here am I you called me then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy so Eli told Samuel go and lie down and if he calls you say speak Lord For your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Backstory. This barren woman by the name of Hannah begs God for a little child. She needs a a son to be uh, considered equal in the culture that she was in. Uh, She was barren, and so she's looked down on. She's rejected and and even despised in certain situations, and so she begs begs to God, please give me a son, and God answers her prayers and gives her a little boy, and she names that little boy Samuel. She takes that little boy, and she brings him, once he's weaned, she brings him back To the temple and she presents him to the high priest there whose name is Eli and says this little boy will serve here the rest of his life Eli had his own sons he's Eli's the high priest but he has his own two sons the only problem was Eli's sons were corrupt they were evil Uh, If you want to read the backstory, it's an interesting story. You can go see what they were doing. They were stealing the offerings that people would bring into the temple to make sacrifice to God. When they would bring their offerings, these two corrupt sons would take the best part of the offering and keep it for themselves. And if that wasn't bad enough, uh, they, they, would, they were sexually immoral, so when women would come to worship in the temple, they would use and leverage their power over those women to get sexual favors, all right? And we're, we're just being blunt here. I'm just reading Bible, okay? That's, that's what was going on. And so because of that, what happens is, is that God brings judgment, pronounces judgment over the house of Eli like he should, right? Well, right before or as all that's taking place, Eli uh, has this little boy by the name of Samuel with him and Samuel is serving in the temple and now what I read to you is this account where God calls out to Samuel and enlists him into the priesthood And, and the problem with that was is that Samuel didn't perceive that it was God right and so he, uh, he goes to Eli, and Eli finally discerns what is taking place, and he instructs Samuel to respond to God. And out of that account, what I want to do is I want to talk about three good lessons that we need to learn about our response to God. I want you to notice that the environment that Samuel was placed in was not perfect. it's certain man. you think about the fact that this little boy was placed in this kind of environment It, it it certainly would not have been constructive or conducive for him to learn how to honor and obey God in fact when I read this account, it forces me to ask a question. God, why would you even think about allowing this young man that you want to call and use as a mouthpiece for the nation of Israel, your, your voice to the nation of Israel, why would you place him in this kind of environment? Anybody else ask that question? I mean, let's go go find a a holy situation and put him in that. Instead, you're going to put him under the tutelage of a man whose sons are corrupt. This would be a better place for him to learn how to cheat people and how to do evil things against God. Right, And yet what happens is, is, is that God places Samuel in that and therein lies the first lesson about saying yes to God. Here it is. I think that too many of us struggle to say yes because we are waiting on everything to be perfect. I'm preaching right now, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Because what we do is we allow the environment around us to determine the response within us. So, so, so we reserve our yes for Perfect if I find the perfect church then I'll say yes God Okay, y'all ain't helping the brother out at all. If I can find the perfect small group where everybody loves everybody, nobody ever talks bad about anybody, then God, I'll say yes. If I can find the perfect time when my calendar is completely clear and there's nothing else to do, if I can find the perfect day when I've had four days off in a row and I'm refreshed, then I'll say yes. If I can find the perfect pastor, then I will say yes. Yes. If my bank account is full, then God, I'll say yes at that moment. If my marriage is perfect, then I'll say yes. If my job is perfect, I will say yes. Here's the problem. You won't ever find perfect. You're never going to find a perfect church. You're never going to find a perfect small group. You're never going to find the perfect time. You're never going to have the perfect day. Your, uh, your bank account's never going to be at the perfect level. We wait on perfect to say yes. And what happens is this, is that we fail to capture and and, and capitalize on the moments that God is speaking to us because we're waiting on Perfect. I remind you this morning that God placed Samuel under the care of a dysfunctional priest to learn how to serve. Could it be that God has allowed you to be in a place, or maybe let's say it like this, could it be that God has placed you in a less than perfect situation so that when he calls you and you say yes, your yes becomes the response that produces his desired change in that environment. That was good I'm gonna say it again could it be that God has placed you orchestrated it pulled all the strings necessary to get you into an imperfect environment so that when you come to the place that you submit and say yes God that your yes fixes the imperfect environment that he's called you to yeah 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 Yeah, in other words, if some of you are saying no to serving and giving and praying, if you would say yes, then how different would the place be that you've dismissed as imperfect? Maybe your yes is the solution that's needed. Maybe it's your yes that would bring the supply that is needed to turn that environment around. Uh, Maybe your yes is the fix for the problem That until you quit using The dysfunction of that environment As your excuse If you would step in and go You know what God it's not perfect It doesn't seem to be right And I may not have much to bring But what I do is I bring my yes to you in 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 a moment of faith Saying if I say yes Then I believe you can use me To fix that environment To help that environment To assist that environment I just want to tell you this morning that some of you think this church is imperfect. All that's needed is your yes. Some of you think your the environment you're living in, the workplace that you're in, you're just like, man, this place is a disaster. Then say yes to God. It could be that he sent you there on purpose. Quit complaining about it. Oh, <laughs> That went right back there and bounced back. Quit complaining about it. Quit gossiping about it. Quit Facebooking about it. Quit tweeting about it. Quit Instagram messaging, LinkedIn. I don't even know it all. Quit doing all that junk. And instead, look at God and say, if you place me here, if your word declares that you order the steps of righteous men and women, then apparently you will position me in this place so that when I say yes, I must have something I can bring to the table to fix this. The environment that I've been complaining about yeah maybe your answer of yes is the change that can, that can bring the change to somebody's no see Moses said yes it wasn't perfect but he said yes and it brings deliverance Gideon said yes and all of a sudden out of nowhere uh, victory's won Paul says yes and all of a sudden if Paul hadn't said yes I got news for y'all today we wouldn't be sitting here because he goes to the Gentiles, us, and he gives the good news the lesson in a less than perfect. Say yes to God and see what he can do. So, so why don't you say yes and see what can change? Why don't you say yes and see what is possible? Quit holding on to your yes for perfect. Instead, what I want you to do is allow your yes to be what God can use to bring perfection. The second thing I want you to notice is that in order to say yes to the right things, you must know the right voice. Uh, How can you say yes if you can't discern God's voice? Samuel kept responding to the wrong voice because he didn't know God's voice. If you can't discern his voice, then this is what's going to happen. You're going to say yes to the wrong voice and no to the right voice. That's what happens. And so you must learn the skill, and it is a skill, of hearing and discerning God's voice or you will miss opportunities and assignments if you don't know His voice. Listen, I, I'm going I'm to try to help you this morning. Some of you are saying no to God not because you don't want to obey. You're saying no to God because you can't discern His voice and you think that you're saying no to a leader, to a preacher, or to a boss. And you haven't discovered yet that God is the greatest ventriloquist that's ever lived. And he throws his voice through the voice of the leader you're saying no to. He throws his voice through the preacher you're saying no to. He throws his voice through the boss that you've been saying no to. And until you learn to discern his voice, you will continue to dismiss his voice coming through others. I need some married folks in the house to testify that God can throw his voice through somebody else, right? There's a lot of times that I want to say no because the voice I'm hearing sounds like my wife, but the truth is it's the Holy Spirit trying to get my attention. And when I learn to discern that God speaks through her, then I can say yes to the right voice. And some of you keep saying no because you simply don't know how to discern his voice. Scripture declares that his sheep know the shepherd's voice. My question to you this morning is very simply, do you? It's an acquired skill. Here are three ways that you learn to distinguish his voice. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. You learn to distinguish his voice by repeatedly listening on purpose. In other words, a lot of you talk all the time to God, but you don't On on purpose, listen to God. I I, I think there's a lot of pressure in the church world today that everybody wants to talk to us about praying. Pray, 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 pray. And that's what we do. We pray, we talk, we pray, we talk. And we never shut up and listen on purpose to hear the shepherd's voice. The first step to hearing and learning to distinguish his voice is you got to be quiet in his presence on purpose and say, God, I want to hear you. You've heard from me. Now I need to hear from you. I I would submit to you that your prayer life needs to change. Here we go. I think you ought to spend less time talking and more time listening. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I won't sell any books on that one. All right. Uh, The second way that you learn to distinguish his voice is this. You seek wise counsel from other people who know how to hear God. Uh, I take you back to Scripture. Samuel would have missed hearing from God had it not been for Eli's wise counsel. How many times do we miss saying yes to God because we won't seek wise counsel from people who know how to hear from God? So when people of wise counsel come to us and they say God's trying to speak to you, don't tell me what God's saying. I can hear it for myself. Ooh, okay. God is telling you, don't go to the bar to find your mate. I don't want your opinion. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, I'm, I'm, y'all send me back to Oklahoma City. All right. <laughs> um, simply put, wise counsel helps us discern There are people in in your little circles here at church that are filled with people that have a track record that they've heard God, that they know God's voice, and it is time for us to lay our pride down and our arrogance down and our rebellion down, and we ought to listen to them. When they say, this is God, we ought to go, ooh, I better listen. When they give me wise counsel, it doesn't have to fit my preference. In fact, I don't even like their opinion. But if they've got a track record, I listen. The the, the third, uh, well, let me say this before I go. Our our unwillingness to receive training in hearing produces an inability to hear correctly so we don't respond correctly. You hear God becoming familiar with his already spoken word. This is the third way. We want God to speak, we just don't want to read. <laughs> We're lazy. I need to come to church get a word. You've had a word on your phone in the Bible app all week. I need to come to church and get me a prophetic word. You had a prophetic word laying on your counter at home all week. And I think the reason that oftentimes we fail to say yes is because we don't know how to distinguish his voice because we won't read his already spoken word. I'm watching people all over America right now. Chasing words and prophecies and people are saying things that don't even line up with God's word and they're going that's a word from the Lord. You would know it's not a word from the Lord if you knew that the word that they're giving you that God will never will never speak through a person a word that doesn't line up with his already spoken word. Knowing his voice is an acquired skill like recognizing the voice of your best friend. Over time and with repetition, you learn to distinguish his voice. When my best friend calls me, even without caller ID, I'm old enough that I remember that we used to have phones attached to cords. And we uh, we did this. Y'all, y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? Uh, my, my right finger is stronger than my left finger because I was constantly doing this and I had 10 feet of distance I could go talk. And he would call me. And no, I didn't even, we didn't even have a concept of what caller ID was. And he could say, Steve. And immediately, I knew who it was. That's how we got to get with God. I want you to notice one last thing. I want you to notice a phrase that is repeated at least three different times in these passages that I read to you. We're told this. Samuel served the Lord under Eli. Right? He served the Lord Under Eli. He served the Lord under Eli. Then in chapter 3, you got to get all the way to chapter 3, verse 7. Then it says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. Wait just a second. If we're not careful, we'll miss this. I almost missed it. He served, then he heard. Oh, I can't get no help. He let me say it, three times. He served, then he heard. He served, then he heard. Maybe, just maybe. I just came to just give you a maybe. Maybe we've got the order wrong. Maybe in our hearts, in our spirits, we come to this place in our walk where we want to hear before we serve (laughs) okay Uh, maybe we want to hear from God then I'll agree to serve if I can hear from God then I will agree to volunteer if I'll hear from God then I'll give if I'll hear from God then I'll sacrifice if I hear from God then I surrender but could it be possible that our tendency to continually say no to service results in an inability to hear God Could it be that Samuel's yes triggered an ability to hear He's he's laying there three different occasions God calls his name he doesn't know how to respond he hasn't had the word of God revealed to him he goes to the wrong voice three different times finally Eli goes you're missing it go back and when he speaks again recognize that it's it's God and yet before all of that it says he served God under Eli three different occasions over and over again he served then he heard could it be that the posture of serving positions us and prepares us enables us to hear better I just came to tell you this morning that I'm concerned for you for some of you because some of you aren't hearing because you're not serving or you're attending but you're not serving you're, you're walking you're walking into a house but you're not serving and, 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 and you're freaking out because I can't hear God I can't get if, if he would talk to me I'd know what to do how about this do something and then listen you say, well, I don't know what to do. Do something. The leaders in this house will help you figure out the right thing to do because some of you, you're like, I, I, I want to hear God. I want to go serve in the children's ministry, but you hate kids. The leaders will look at you and go, you're in the wrong place. Go find something else to do, but at least do something so you can hear. Well, I, 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 I need to hear God, so I want to serve first. I need to be on the worship team. You can't carry a tune in a bucket, and the house would empty if you start singing. They will help you. But, but we, we, we get the order wrong, and we go, i got to know the perfect place. God, you got to speak to me, then I'll get involved. If somebody will come beg me, I'll get involved. No, say yes to God now. And when you begin to serve, you will hear from him, and he will speak life into your life. Maybe if our first response was yes rather than no, then our ears would open up to his voice. I'm finding churches full of people who've been coming to church for years and years and years who desire to hear from God that will look at you and say, I can't hear from him. The the reason they can't is because they won't do nothing. I'm just waiting. I'm just believing. I've been here for 22 years. I'm just believing that one of these days God's going to say to me, Y'all, y'all think that's not going on. That's going on in the kingdom of God right now. There are houses full of people that are, all we're doing is discipling disciples. People that have already been discipled, been discipled again and again and again and again. They're not doing anything. I want us to flip it at Compassion Church. I want to see people that will walk in and say yes to God. I may not have heard from God. I don't need to hear from God to serve. I just see a need and I feel it. I'll just jump in with both feet. I'll sacrifice. I'll open doors. I'll serve coffee. I'll run sound. I'll work in children's ministry. I'll work at the tent. I'll take up the offering. I'll vacuum floors. I'll clean toilets. Whatever I got to do because I recognize that if I learn to say yes first, In that moment, something happens and my hearing opens up and I can hear the voice of God. Last thing I just want to say to some of you, for some of you, it's really quiet. You're in a really quiet season. You haven't heard from God in months and months and months and you're getting worried. If you're serving, relax. You're in the right position and in the right posture. If you're not doing anything, jump in. And see if God doesn't stand and say, this is the word of the Lord for you. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us. We need you to help us in this body and in in our individual lives. We need your help. We want to learn to distinguish your voice. We want to hear from you clearly. And, And we've been trained as American Christians. It seems like we've been trained to say no first. I pray today that what would happen in this house and in the lives of your people here is that we would become a people whose mouths and hearts are full of a yes. And so every time we see a need, we would respond yes first. We won't, we won't consult all of the reasons as to why it's not perfect. We won't consult our calendar say, I don't have any time left. We won't consult our financial situation. We will just simply be so receptive to you and so willing to help you that we would say yes. God, I pray that we would learn to distinguish your voice. God, for anybody in this room that's struggling to hear you right now, I pray that they would take an intentional step and they would serve so that they can hear. God, if there's a man in this this house, a woman in this house that's struggling, they feel like that their prayers are hitting heaven and they're never hearing your voice, I pray that they would take stock of their own situation and they would begin to evaluate whether or not they're serving. And if they're not, I pray that they would plug in so that they can hear I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe for some of you this morning, maybe you're visiting, maybe it's your first time, maybe it's your hundredth time. But you would say, Steve, the first yes I need to say is to Jesus. I recognize that in order to hear the shepherd's voice, I've got to be one of his sheep. And the way we become one of his sheep is we surrender our heart and our life to Jesus. We, we submit to him and ask Jesus to become the Lord and Savior. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you say, Steve, I need to say yes to that. Would you just raise your hand? We won't embarrass you. We just want to pray intelligently. Yeah, all over the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying yes this morning to him. I want us to do, I don't know how y'all do this here, but we're going to do it like this because we're family. Because we've all had to come to this place right here. This is the first yes. This is the most important yes you will ever say. So would you do this together as a family? I'm going to pray. I just ask you to repeat after me. Listen, there's nothing magic about the prayer. It's what happens in your heart. It's It's that spiritual place where you say yes that changes everything. Let's pray this together. Jesus, we say yes to you. We believe you died on a cross for us. You shed your blood for us. And so now we say yes. We thank you for that sacrifice. We make you the Lord, the Savior, the King of our lives. We say yes to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. Here at Compassion, we value family, which means we value you. If there's any way that we can be praying for you and believing with you for something, please make sure that you let us know. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you here next Sunday thank you for listening to this podcast presented by compassion church we're so glad you joined us today for more information including service times and locations please visit our website compassion.cc